Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. We've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you guys. We're going to give you five reasons to feel incredibly optimistic about not just the rest of the year, but 2021 and 2022 as well. Now, these five points we're about to give you are going to feel very counterintuitive, especially considering the onslaught of never-ending negative news that's coming out. And so these are going to be the five things, the five reasons why everybody could be wrong about their dour predictions about housing for 2021 and 2022. Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Yes, thank you. And that's why you named this the optimist's guide to a potentially pessimistic future, especially if you're just watching the news and paying attention to that. We want you to recalibrate and look at these five points so you can have your optimistic outlook. And the problem with being, look, we are all about hoping for the best and being prepared for the worst. We live that way. We've run our businesses that way. You know, that's the way we coach everyone to be. That way you are, again, overprepared for the, you know, in case the downside happens. But at the same time, if it never does, you're still in good shape. Whereas most agents, you know, it's the basically hoping for the best, but never preparing for the worst. That's what most agents do. Well, we want you to still follow that, uh, essentially that approach to life because there's really no risk or downside if you're overprepared. But at the same time, what happens sometimes is when people hear uh, too much what they perceive to be negative information is they go into fear mode. And if they don't psychologically, you know, essentially all humans are this way. If you don't believe your future is brighter than your your present or your past, you're not going to be doing the things necessary to basically prepare because you're not going to feel hopeful. So it's easy to feel hopeful when you're feeling optimistic at present. So that's what we're hoping to do. We want to give you guys a, a shot of adrenaline so you can realize that the, the naysayers could be completely wrong. All the reports about home depreciation and foreclosures and interest rates and unemployment, there are real strong reasons to believe that all of those things could be radically and essentially urgently reversed if any or all of these five predictions, let's just call it that, that Julie and I have, or these essentially these five reasons to believe why we're going to have a really hopeful, amazing future. And I'm going to give you the first one. Now, here's reasons why you should not be over-invested, or it's completely possible that there won't be a housing crash like there has been in the past that some of you guys are living in fear of, if you remember it, or if you've watched all the movies about the housing crash, Heard right? Heard tell about it. Right? Heard tell about it from other people, from the gray beards like Julie and I. Well, she doesn't have a beard, but you guys get the point, <laughs> right? She shaves it, so, yeah. she, you know, normally... <laughs> Wait, she's giving me a look no. and a, a single. Continue. <laughs> okay, I right, continue. So Julie doesn't want to be picked on today. That's fine. All right. Here's the reason number one that we think that you should be uh, optimistic and why there could be actually no housing crash, no housing uh, correction of any variety. And furthermore, in our third point here, we're going to tell you why what we actually might experience over the next 12 to 24, even 60 months is a huge increase in appreciation of real estate. All right, so point number one, and this is again something that if you don't have historical perspective, you won't fully appreciate, but most, if not all mortgages nowadays have very low fixed interest rates 
and they're generally speaking, most people take took amortizations over 30 years, meaning that the monthly payment on their house is less than what it would cost for them to pay in rent. Now, again, you guys don't have perspective, many of you on this, because you weren't in the business back in 06, 07, 08. But what a lot of people were doing is when their house went negative and their mortgage payment was more than what renting a similar, or if not basically their neighbor's house would cost them, what a lot of those people did is they bailed on their mortgage. They walked away from the house. But this time around, I don't think that, and we don't see, we don't believe that trend is going to happen again because most people, because there's a lack of inventory, but specifically because they have these amazingly low interest rates, they're not going to walk away from their houses. Last time what happened was there was a whole bunch of adjustable rate mortgages and those mortgages were adjusting to payments that the people couldn't afford. That's not happening this time. Those mortgages for the most part, even though I know some of those snuck back in the mortgage markets in the last few years, they don't exist anymore. So the number one reason why there probably will not be a precipitous drop in home prices, there because the current mortgages are essentially Gonna cheaper be the, than rent. I mean, isn't that cheaper an interesting comparison, right? Yeah. I can't remember a time when that was actually true. Right? right. So let's say that you're struggling a little bit and you know, you're like, oh, what should I do with the house? Okay, so let's say we sold the house because I'm a little bit, you know, on the edge financially. I gotta live somewhere. I'm gonna go see what's for rent. And I'm gonna find out in most cases, especially in urban environments, especially in popular areas that you wanna live in, the rent's higher than my mortgage because my rate's so low. That is a bizarre existence in the housing world, but it is a definite indication that we could dodge a, uh, a major correction. And more evidence of that is that, that people are sticking in their houses and mortgage rates are going to go down. Wait, you can get a 15-year fix for 1.87, let's see, was it one? Yeah, it's 1.875. That's nuts. That's basically, that nuts. <laughs> it's free money. That's free money. All right, point yeah. number two. And this one I know uh, it's very, it's un inconceivable to even think about this because it's so abnormal. Um, and uh, Julie and I as adults have never lived through this, but inflation, okay, so here it is, here's the essence of it. The cost of everything increases under inflation, but the cost of real estate increases as well. By cost, I mean price. So it's very possible that what we're going to see, what we saw last time were price drops, a asset value depreciation. And now for the reasons that you guys are experiencing right now with a lack of inventory, that's just going to be amplified. You understand more when I talk about point three, why there's going to probably even be more lack of inventory. But right now, what everyone is starting to lean to, into believing is that we're going to be going through a cycle of inflation. Inflation is when the cost of everything increases. Um, it, that's just all you have to know. That's your big takeaway point. So real estate could start, you know, you'll call it appreciation, but let's just call it inflation. Appreciation and inflation have the same bottom line effect, except inflation increases the cost of everything. Whereas if you had um, appreciation on your house, for example, while everything else was staying the same, then you would get the full benefit of the appreciation on your house. When there's everything's inflating in cost, then the buying power of the inflated asset or the money from the inflated asset isn't the same. So right now, what's a gallon of milk, Julie? I actually have no idea. Four bucks, three bucks, who knows? It's we don't buy milk, so six bucks whatever it is, right? So if milk goes to say $15 a gallon, but your house yeah. also triples or quadruples in value, you guys see how everything rises. It's all relative, basically. Yeah, exactly, it's all relative. But with that said, here's, what's, here's what matters. If you've locked in a 15-year mortgage at 1.875 or whatever, and your house is increasing in value, okay, or increasing in cost by double that, by 4%, by 5%, by 6%, the inflated value 
of your house every year is more than covering the cost of your interest on the mortgage. So you are living for free. And that's what many people are now expecting to have happen. That's the reason that all of you should be locking in long-term low mortgage rates because when inflation kicks in, again, more and more people, it's you know, our economists and even people from that normally would never talk about inflation, what you're going to see if this actually happens, and uh, the furthest out prediction I've heard on there being notable inflation is three years. Most people are expecting it to start happening where you start noticing it, you start feeling it. You st and, and what happens is cost of things go up first, and then wage inflation happens last. So some of you guys, if you were putting your piece of the pieces together here, your commission rate Let's say it doesn't increase, it stays the same. Whatever your commission rate is, you're going to be getting a little bump in pay as the assets that you're selling, the houses you're selling, also inflate in value. So one of the beautiful things about real estate is you automatically have a inflation increase worked into your paycheck sure. because your income increases as the property of the, uh, the value of the house increases. Unlike other people who, generally speaking, the people get hurt uh, are the wage earners. The wage earners do not automatically get raises even as the cost of what the things they have to buy to survive increase. Right. So when you hear about the fears of inflation, that's the reason why. But you all will be in perfectly good condition considering the fact that you are, we're smart enough to get real estate licenses. So, But it's also a reason that we're not going to have potentially a big housing crash because why would you break up with your house when you see your equity increasing? That's right. You wouldn't. Well, or the, what is perceived as equity, right? Well, but the original point about also yeah. where the hell else are you going to live? Right. That's, a good, that's a good one, too. All right, point number three. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, no, point number, Julie, two and three are basically the same. We just talked about that. All right, point number four. And this one's a huge one. We're going to go through these points relatively quick. Point number four. And we could have written down 20 points, but these were the top five because we wanted to, um, you know, knock this out in 20, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and without getting into the weeds too much. If you guys want to listen to long-form podcast from Julie and I, just listen to our podcast on Sunday. Uh, uh, Sunday. Yeah. All right. So demographically, here's the thing that's also happening. Um, demographics essentially rule everything that happens. So if you want to know what's going to be happening next in the economy, what's going to be next happening in housing, you got to watch out for things like family formation. You got to watch out for essentially the generations. You know, everyone knows this, but baby boomers are getting older and baby boomers are, depending on what wave of baby boomers there are, there's three waves of baby boomers. The youngest wave now are old, you know, older than, you know, they're in their like late 50s at this point. They're probably getting to the point where they've already purchased their ultimate houses or maybe they're just doing it now and then they're going to start downsizing as their kids leave the house and that's okay now what's happened is generation x or generate what's our generation x yeah. right <laughs> yeah. we're the forgotten about generate there's not enough of us to matter julie and i's generation a lot of you guys right. listening are the same as julie and i but the generations that follow us everyone talks about the millennials but the millennials are inconsequential con uh, compared to generation z Generation Z that follows the millennials are there's more of them and now they're starting to enter family formation. So that's what's very fascinating to happen is the fact that you have all these waves of people. They're going to start um, essentially, I they need to get on with life. They're going to, there's certain cycles and you know people call them seasons of life and they happen no matter what the, is going on in the economy. People get married, people make babies, people have families, people all of a sudden go from wanting their hip little urban lofts to wanting to be in a, oh, have a place in the fence, fenced in backyard. I mean, that's life, right? And then you have the older generations that are downsizing. You have in the United States, a unprecedented number of people 
that are going to be forced <laughs> to basically into housing, buying or selling or leasing or renting decisions. And that's all happening now. So despite the economy, despite whatever is happening with coronavirus, despite whatever's happening in global, geopolitical, whatever, you still, I still, everyone still has housing needs and they're always going to be buying and selling, which again is another genius thing about having a real estate license is that every single person you ever run across in your life is always going to need to buy, sell, lease, a property. There is not a single person you will ever meet in your life that does not need the services that you provide. Have you ever thought about it like that? I mean, if that doesn't make you feel optimistic, if that doesn't make you feel blessed to be in real estate, nothing will. If you are selling Ginsu knives, not everybody needs knives. If you are selling anything, right? You're not, housing is the only thing that everyone needs. Well, Frederick Eklund mentioned that on your podcast with him that he right. walks out the door and everybody's thinking buy, lease, sell, rent, whatever. Uh, you know, and I think that people, having been sequestered and uh, quarantined, have become acutely aware of what they like and dislike about their houses. I read an editor's note in one of my magazines that said she'd spent more time in her home office in the past three months than in the past 12 years of owning her house. Yeah. You know, and had a list of now what does she want now that she's had to actually have a Zoom room, for example. So, you know, to your point, people are thinking about it all the time. And the, there's so many changes, positive changes, wonderful changes. And I, I mean that, I know there's hardship out in there. I know there's going to be headwinds. I know there are going to be a lot of, of people displaced. I know there's a lot of this transition that, you know, individuals and, you know, states and cities, all this stuff. But what we're doing is it's like the economy feels, if you think about this, this is a good analogy. It's essentially shedding its, you know, its shell, its skin, and it's blossoming into something else. That's an oversimplification. I get it. But there's so many different things that are going to be able to take hold in the economy now that never would have or would have maybe 20 years from now had it not been for the, you know, the wretched coronavirus. That's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. You know, kids, look, 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 we talk about this all the time on our Sunday show, but look how the college costs, look at all the expenses and the debt that young people have been forced to take on because of who knows why. We don't need to be political. We never are on our podcast. So the reality of it is, is now Harvard University and Julie, you know, Art Zoe's school, everybody's going online. And now people are saying, why the hell is school so much? Well, guess what? When essentially online has the same value in, you know, essentially credentialism or whatever the term is. Yeah. Yes, as uh, being showing up in a brick and mortar, then people are going to start saying, why am I borrowing you know, 20, 40, 50, $100,000 to get a four-year degree when I could have just basically paid for it in cash out of, uh, you know, basically working at, you know, any kind of old job anywhere like it used to be 20, 25 years ago. All those expenses, all the sort of things that have become normalized, the accumulation of debt, the keeping up with the Joneses. How many of you guys are living in housing and in communities that you live in based on old rules. You live in that community because, and Julie, you talked about this in the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. You live where you live because you wanted your kids to go to a certain school, right? I mean, every- That was the biggest driver. You know, I, I was reading, let's see, I read an article from out of San Francisco that said that historically that's been the number one request is I have to have this school, right? So only show me a radius of homes around that. And now since you know, coronavirus has happened. They've had zero requests having to do with that. Isn't that amazing? Now it's all about, I got to have a backyard. I got certain, you know, areas. You've got to have a pool. I've got to have space. That's the number one thing. So things are shifting, right? But that leads us, I think, to our next point about inventory. Well, yes. No, the next point was, yes, it was about inventory. But to your, what you were just saying, what we're going, what Julie and I are expecting to see happen in housing 
is that the idea of what a home is is changing yes. because people have become so used to essentially always be on the go, right? Taking, you know, Johnny and Susie to soccer practice and taking Johnny to Susie to school and then, you know, mom and dad have to drive different directions going to work and all this stuff. And where did why was everyone working so hard? Why were these lives so busy? What so what's happened is people have it's because that was normalized. That's what you did. So your neighbors did. That's what your that's the lifestyle you thought was normal. And then what you're saying now is everyone's been sort of on this, you know, forced vacation or forced reprieve or whatever word you want to use. Don't get stuck on words. But people have been put in a position where they are now being able to take a hard look at how they've been living their lives and they're asking themselves, do I want to live like that anymore? And you're seeing based on housing trends that the answer is no. So people are leaving the cities. There's articles coming out that we share on our main website of timandjulieharris.com that reinforces what Julie just said. These trends are not going to stop. And furthermore, here's the other thing that's kind of fascinating is younger people are not going to be, they're not going to feel the same like they're going to always remember this. This is a permanent scar that's going to cause their behavior to always be a little bit more cautious. In other words, they're going to say, I remember pre-pandemic when we were living like this and post-pandemic, and I distinctly remember which way I was happier. I distinctly remember which way I was enjoying life more, and they won't go back to the other way. Most people are not motivated by money. Most people are motivated by taking care of their family, taking care of just those sort of core values. That's what everyone's really truly motivated by. And now that people are feeling a lot of people, I mean, if you guys ask yourselves how you feel, assuming you're not financially stressed right now, chances are you've reconnected with the things that are most important to you because of the fact you've been forced to spend more time at home. Well, what does home then represent? Home represents a place where you're going to be spending more time, not just in between appointments, not just a place to come home and you know have dinner and shower and then sleep and you know, wake up the next day at 6 a.m. and do it all over again. Home itself as a thing is going to morph into something that's going to be different than what I think any of us have ever really conceived it to be. Or maybe like it was maybe 50 years ago. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the requests that people have now have more to do, we talked about home offices, but also homeschool offices. And you know, we had friends uh, visiting uh, over the week, and one of their requests was you know, an office for him, an office for her, kind of an office-esque type of thing for kids. You know, you got to have a lot of space, a lot of outside space. So I think that especially, you know, people that have been in little condos and apartments and things like that are really feeling it. Um, so that all spells a whole lot of demand, doesn't it? All right. So now here's what we're not seeing, too. This is not point number five. Point number five, we are so much looking forward to sharing with this point with you because it's something that really, truly excites us. But just to further what we're saying, unless there is a real huge increase in new construction, yeah. which is too late in this cycle for that to happen, you're not going to see a huge influx of inventory because the, the banks, the government is not going to allow the foreclosure train to ever leave the station. We were suggesting that back in March, but then we saw the FHFA put in place. That's the body, you know, the agency that uh, essentially sets the rules for Fannie and Freddie. Essentially, what is it, 90% of all mortgages out there are basically right. government backed. And now they're not going to allow foreclosures, basically. You're going to see all kinds of creative workouts because they know, and this is, I, frankly, I was thrilled when I saw them make this move. Mm -hmm. Look, I know from a housing values, economic, whatever, extend and pretend never works. But look, at the end of the day, those aren't just numbers and dollar amounts. Those are families. 
And those of you guys lived through the foreclosure shit show that was, you know, back in 07, 08. Nobody wants that again. The, 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 hard, yeah. the human hardship was just it was horrible. Epic. And you Epic. know what? I, it, I have been actually impressed by how some of these programs have been instigated, okay? Because it shows that they learned something from, as you said. How proactive you, you were know, they? Super proactive. Like That's two so, weeks. It's like massively different than the last time. Right. But I think it is also a result of what happened. That's right. Because nobody wants that again. You already have a lot of, you know, bad numbers with unemployment and you've got the pandemic and you've got, you know, the impact of homeschooling and you have all of these things. I don't think anybody wants to throw a housing crisis on top of that. Just to put this in perspective, and those of you guys who know statistics better than me, feel free to correct me. But during the last housing crash, something like a third of all housing transactions were distressed. And right now the worst housing prediction I've seen for uh, essentially distressed will happen this time next year. And they're expecting it to be like 8%. Yes. And not everywhere even. And not everywhere. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Why? Because if you're in distress now, what they're going to do is you're going to be able to put your house in for uh, forbearance. Now, the other thing that they really screwed up on last time was what about all the landlords with mortgages and the tenants right. aren't paying rent? Well, now they have not only do they have rent or eviction moratoriums, but the, the landlords now, even though they're investment properties, not primary residences, they can put those in forbearance as well. Again, they didn't do that before. So we do not expect there to be a precipitous drop in home prices uh, because of distressed real estate, or at least we don't as of today because of what's happening with regards to the intervention. Government intervention, generally speaking, does not equal what's best for the overall economy. But again, just train has already left the station with regards to government intervention. So if the government's going to be acting like that, then I'm thrilled that they're not going to put families out on the streets. Now, the point number five. Now, this is something that when you let this rattle around in your brain, you're going to totally and completely feel the energy and excitement that Julie and I do. What if, despite the political headwinds to this very subject, political headwinds, what if there is a vaccine for the coronavirus? What if there is essentially a cure for the coronavirus? And what if that does happen? Not in some people saying three to five years, right? Or essentially a viable... um, therapy, right? What if there's a way to put coronavirus firmly in the rearview mirror? No more social distancing, no more uh, masks, no more all this other just really... 50% capacity, 25% right. capacity. I mean, here Are you in, allowed out or aren't you allowed out? Here in Puerto Rico, we're not even allowed on the beach. Quarantine. What? We're on an island. You know where the beach is? It's flipping everywhere. Right? Everywhere. We're on an island and we're not allowed on the beach. How does that but, work? But imagine the celebrations. Yes. When that gets announced. Now this Imagine. is this is the this is the thing the story that nobody's telling. Now I want you guys to think about this. Now again, some of you will remember this because you were in the business when this was happening. But people during 07, 08, 09, and even before that, with the more milder recessions, they would go through this frugality phase where they were pulling in, they weren't spending money, they were mm-hmm. saving money, and that's the cycle that's happening now. But people, well, I don't know if it's everyone, but Americans, they can only tolerate that so much because Americans love to spend money. Yes, <laughs> right? and do stuff. And so what happened was, is people, the term was, and it's quite was quite funny, the frugality fatigue. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was there was an explosion in all kinds of different things. And I, I'm going sh- to share with you guys some different businesses or sectors of the economy that took off after the housing crash because people stopped essentially wanting to you know, worry about uh, money. You, luxury brands. Luxury brands went through the roof. Car luxury brands went through the roof. Luxury travel went through the roof. Many of the things that we've normalized or we, we've sort of gotten used to seeing nowadays, 
They weren't around 10 or 12 years ago. You did not see, for example, this is a silly example, but it's valid. You did not see Louis Vuittons and Tiffany's in outdoor malls 15 years ago. You did in really high-end um, areas, but now you saw those stores branch out to, you know, even the cursory markets, the B markets around the country. You're And you saw a huge, like, you guys remember when you could buy a really freaking nice car for like 35, 40 grand, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't that long ago. Nope. And now people have said, you know what, what'd you spend on your new whatever, $100,000 $100, on a car? <laughs> I mean, seriously, am I, I so know. old to... You know, yeah, I remember. that's crazy. That's but look, how many of you guys are saying, "Yeah, Tim, that's what a Range Rover costs. It's a hundred grand." Guys, that's insane. I mean, if you're essentially have any relationship to what a hundred used to get you, you know, twenty well, years ago, it's crazy. But that's inflation, by the way. Houses for a hundred grand. Back <laughs> exactly. Then. Well, so, or less. But yeah, it's crazy. going forward, we expect and mark our words on this if there is a viable therapy which means there's no vaccine necessarily but there's some drugs you can take to make it so you don't get sick and people don't die and people aren't worried about it anymore businesses start hiring again restaurants start opening up again people start feeling more optimistic again all this accumulation of the debt and the fence fed spending now people are saying you know what we're going to see this bounce back of the economy and it's going to last. It's going to be, it could be something that's never really happened in history, in like global history of humanity. It could be a protracted boom market because United States is the, essentially that we are, we love to spend money. But now you have China that's also doing the same thing. Russians are also spending a lot of yep. money. So all these, they were 10 years ago called emerging economies. They're no longer emerging economies. They're economies that are operating mostly on the same, as far as consumerism, on the same level as we are. Now, I know consumerism, some of you guys have mixed feelings about it. But just remember, when someone buys an iPhone, how many people are getting paid as a result of that oh. person buying the iPhone? And th that's what we're that's talking right. about. So when people stop spending money on stuff that they want, then there's a whole bunch of unintended consequences that reach, you know, thousands and thousands of people. If that trend reverses, or if, if there's all of a sudden somebody says there's a vaccine that's going to be out in 90 days, or there's a, you know, workable therapy. Yeah, well, then you might not even see a V-shaped recovery. It could be like a flat out checkmark recovery, yeah. right? I mean, think about, I mean, just the enthusiasm for that. It would change everything. The word is renaissance. And that's what Julie yeah. and I want you, that's what we're hoping for. And Julie, can you explain to them what the historical reference to the well, word renaissance is? You know, that was pulling out of the dark ages and you had things like the plague around back then that stymied everybody's creativity. People hold up. There wasn't a lot of uh, inventions. There wasn't a lot of moving forward. And in fact, some have argued that it set, you know, things like, you know, reading and writing and basic things and art and music was, was actually took a step back. And then I think, you know, a combination of many things pulled out and then the Renaissance was the celebration of life. There was more invention that came forward. There, you know, a lot of the greatest artwork and music, I mean, everything just took off and it all happened at the same time was the thing that made it super cool. So you guys should Google that Renaissance, yeah. Dark Ages. So what happened was the Dark Ages. Now remember, put this in perspective. The reason that there does not have to be a long period of dark ages, like I don't even know how long that lasted. You could Google that real quick; it'd be interesting. But I don't know how long the dark ages there were lasted. Several waves of it too. But yeah, because the essentially it was affected by uh, the the, uh, the plague, you know, and, yep. and the plague caused a lot of death all over Europe. There wasn't really, you know, so Julie's going to find out. And you know what? Back then too, uh, one of the things I think the Romans did it. Um, they had some housing intervention after they did. the plague. I, I can't remember the specifics on it, but I'll look that up for you. So here's, in 
how do you relate this to today? Because we're going through a very similar historical cycle. And then what happened is our dark ages now, they don't have to last however long the dark ages did, which Julia's Googling right now, which I'm guessing was a long damn period of time because of the fact that we have essentially the internet, because we have this mass ability to communicate, because we have these huge demographic trends, because we have all the other things of modern uh, you know, civilization, we can use the Dark Ages as a uh, essentially a, a perspective to look at, but look to what came after, the Renaissance. And we think personally what we're going to, and this is Julie and I being optimistic, and I hope you guys are going to appreciate this as well. It could very well be that what we're going to be experiencing starting next year, once there's a vaccine, because we don't think there's going to be, until there's a vaccine or a viable therapy, we cannot see how there's going to be any shot at any sort of meaningful recovery for the global economy. But once there is, you're going to see, because of all the things we talked about, demographics, because of people's frugality fatigue, you're going to start, like it's one of the things we you guys heard us say this in the podcast you only live once and you're dead a real long time you have found something well you know what's interesting is that uh you know the enlightenment came next okay so after the the dark ages and it, the dark ages have been written about as actual social regression isn't that interesting wow yeah so and then the enlightenment was a reaction and a criticism of that and that's when um all of these, you know. Read it. Read what um, you're. During the Age of Enlightenment, the 17th and 18th centuries, critical thinkers, uh, let's see, believed it was. Well, I'm. I don't want to read all of these different names to you. Okay, vocal and attacking the Middle Ages as a period of social regress. Um, Does it feel like we're going? New Age, you know. Uh, consequently, an evolution had occurred in. Does it feel like we're going through social regress right now? Does kinda. that feel? Does it? Yeah, does it kind of feel? Kind of, kind of feels like that now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so yeah. you, you guys see how history does repeat itself in flight in, in with variations, and so then what happened, Julie? Well, so then there's a lot of writing about this in the Enlightenment, and they were comparing lightness to darkness. That's why it's called the Enlightenment, is when people felt like that dark cloud had lifted. And now we're into a new age. Uh, there were, you know, the Romantics wrote uh, music and and books then, and they pulled out of it. And then it was a, a great celebration. The Do you have any? The Enlightenment then became the Renaissance, revived cultural and intellectual achievements uh, out of antiquity. Um, that's basically. I mean, this is well, a very long article. So. No, it's really a long article. <laughs> so, so here yeah. to summarize, what we could be experiencing is what's going to lead up to one of the greatest times in human evolution and history and life since essentially we came out of what was essentially the dark ages we could be going through a dark ages now now our little dark ages yeah. is going to be economically driven because hopefully this pandemic is going to round the bend but then once that's over because of the sheer ingenuity and not just Americans, guys. People all over the planet are feeling the way we are. Everybody wants to move past all of this because everyone are humans are innately optimistic. Otherwise, what would, you know, it's really difficult to basically even get out of bed in the morning. But w deep within us is a desire to move forward. Deep within us is a desire to make life better for the people we love and care about, but in the next generation. All of us are hardwired like that. And so this stage, this phase that we're going through is what feels to us like the reshuffling of the deck, that is true, and essentially the preparation for what's going to happen next. Be optimistic. Be incredibly excited. Did you find something else? Well, just some of the writing about this is kind of interesting to read. Um, there was a general feeling of a lamp having been extinguished in the use of comparing 
how dark things became socially, economically, familially, emotionally, and how, how dark that was before they pulled out of the Enlightenment. So it's a pretty interesting thing. It is. Study, it's a total actually. parallel. Um, so... Yeah. So there you guys go. So hopefully you're understanding why there's every reason to believe that you are in the right place at the right time. It's urgently important that you monitor your internal dialogue so that you're not talking yourself into inaction because that's what you ultimately have to do. You have to be in action, but the best way for you to make sure you keep yourself moving forward is yes, be aware of the headwinds. They're all around us right now, there's no doubt, but understand those winds, they shift direction as quick as they were pushing against you, now they're at your back. But if you're still in the mode of experiencing headwinds and you're emotionally, psychologically, and financially, if you're still like, you know, being uh, pushed back, even if the winds are at your back, you're not going to feel them because you're not going to be a place where you can receive the fact that now the sands under you are moving in your direction and the sands are pulling you down. They're actually pushing you up. Everything, in our opinion, could very well turn to the positive in a very dramatic way, just as fast as it went to the negative. But you will not benefit from it unless you're tuning into the fact that the highest and truest purpose of all of us on this planet is being service to other people. You have to be the, you know, essentially the lighthouse in the storm. You're going to have to be in your family, in your community, in your neighborhoods, amongst all your real estate clients. You're going to have to be oftentimes the most optimistic, the most essentially encouraging person. Yes, you're going to have to learn how to help people with different problems financially motivated. Yes, you're going to have to learn how to have conversations about price reductions and you're going to have to learn how to compete and you're going to have to really master the art of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But the other thing that Julia was about to get to, and I see I, I'm looking at her notes on the screen, is that the greatest fortunes in the history of humanity are always made as a direct result of the greatest amounts of change, which is what we're experiencing now. So, you know, there's families all over Europe, basically, many of which, which, you know, their fortunes were started in the Renaissance, which that are still essentially influential and, you know, dominant all over the world to this day. And then there's other been other huge revolutions and sure. evolutions in humanity that have happened that also created the same opportunity. We are experiencing one of those things, one of those events, those seismic shifts in human history now enjoy it embrace it be grateful that you're at the right place at the right time don't just be somebody that observes it get into action and try to make the most of it to help not just yourself not just your family but the future generations of you we're in legacy building mode now people if you choose for it to be yes and you know what's interesting is that uh, people don't realize the thought if it's meant to be it's up to me was actually kind of originated in the renaissance because they had gone through like the plague, you know, waves of the plague, and they had had economic destruction and they had a big dearth of, you know, nothing happening in, in art or, or the scientific world, nothing. It was just so dark, right? And so humanism came out of that, which is essentially, okay, I'm over all of that. I know that if I'm gonna do something, it's up to me. I've got to celebrate my humanism my ability to take action because all this crap going on around me is not helping me with anything. And that was the beginning of the spark of people being creative again and getting out there again and inventing things. And it, I just thought that was interesting. People uh, basically got crap. sick. It, of said, it said God had given them no respite or mercy and humans turned to the only other thing they had faith in themselves. Boom. You know what? We, that's a high point. We're out.
Yep, done. Well, that's a podcast for today. Julie, just, that's it. I can't do better than that. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to uh, pod, daily podcast for real estate agents. And I looked at our stats and we now have listeners in Israel, Italy. We have some in Poland. We have some, in, uh, you know, just all over the world. It's it, We switched to a different podcasting provider and they give us really drilled down analytics. It's really fascinating. Um, how this podcast is reaching a global audience. And thank you for continuing to make Harris Rules on Barnes & Noble and Amazon and all the other places it's sold, continuing to make it one of the best-selling real estate books in history. Guys, we love the opportunity to be of service to you. You are helping us fill our own personal mission, which we do fully embrace, which is knowing our highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to all of you. Please take that same message and apply it to everyone in your life because, again, Julie, what was it called? And pick your mic back up again. Humanism. Humanism. Yes. The reliance on yourself, your own independence, and your own control of your future. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Thank you.